I'm looking forward to continue with Vajrasattva and tonight I would like to um, talk a bit about the most important aspect of the Vajrasattva practice and that is bringing your understanding of emptiness into the practice your understanding of emptiness your understanding of selflessness your understanding and experience of the insubstantiality of the one who is doing Vajrasattva the insubstantiality of the path and the insubstantiality of the of the enlightenment because as long as we are practicing on the level of wanting something good for the mini-me we have not entered the Dharma practice yet we are doing just what everyone else does trying to feel better and that's completely appropriate of course and there's nothing wrong with it but it's not Dharma so Vajrasattva what actually Vajrasattva is symbolizing Vajrasattva is symbolizing uh, the direct realization of emptiness um, so what is meant with that uh, the direct realization of emptiness I want to talk a bit today so we are not doing this practice or of course we are doing this practice to feel better because, but we are, we are trying to relax that we are trying to relax uh, the grasping uh, the clinging and the reject the, the grasping, the clinging to feeling good and the rejecting and struggling with what is uncomfortable that's what we try to relax and a, ma and a major way to relax that is to realize that there is no mini-me inside here there is no me inside here there's nothing to protect here except the one you make up with your conceptual mind so if we if we continue to practice Dharma in with a sense of there's a me inside here which wants to be happy which wants to be healed which wants to be purified that's not Dharma that's uh, that's you know and again, it's completely appropriate and uh, and um, and healthy to th that aspect um, or that level of one's practice. But we need to outgrow it to become Dharma practitioners. So, Vajrasattva is symbolizing the realization of emptiness and is symbolizing the original purity of your true being that which we on the spiritual path on the mystic path want to experience we want to make contact with that we want to recognize that your true self and Vajrasattva is, a, is an archetypical symbol of that of that which you disconnect in each moment uh, through a distortion of reality 
you disconnect from the true self through a distortion of, of, of reality. And that distortion of reality is there's a me inside here and there's an objective, substantial world out there. And this is a conceptual distortion. And this conceptual distortion is the root cause for all war on this planet. That's why we fight with each other, because of this conceptual distortion. And Vajrasattva is symbolizing our own state when we dissolve this distortion, when we see things as they are, when we, when we are actually in touch with reality and we see fantasy for fantasy. And this sounds absurd to say, it sounds absurd, of course, to say this moment does not exist in the way it appears to you. It doesn't. You're hallucinating right now. And this hallucination is the root cause of us feeling separate, disconnected, contracted, defensive, reactive. So as long as 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 long as 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 long as our main motivation in our practice, whatever it is, is to make this reactive self, this mini-me, this, uh, uh, this contracted me, happy, yeah? That's what, you know, other people do through shopping and, and getting drunk and watching Netflix. Uh, you can do the same with meditation, you can do the same with Vajrasattva practice. You know, trying to find a good place for the reactive, contractive mini-me. And then, and then what, what happens is, sometimes we have experiences, you know, through the practice of Vajrasattva, for example. We have a sense of openness and you know, some shifts in, in, of the energy or we have a sense of uh, um, connection. Yeah? And, and that's great. But what happens is that the contractive, reactive mini-me then says, wow, that's great. I have an experience. And wow, this experience makes me makes me special and i'm going to talk about it you know, i have i have this experience i have this experience to be one with everything i have this experience to be connected and open i have this experience of this energy rising up and and it feels so good and i have the experience of my heart opening and uh, it's just the mini-me um, claiming uh, spiritual experiences to solidify itself. And this is a danger, one of the biggest dangers in the tantric practice. 
that it, it that it needs actually to a self-inflation instead to instead of a self-dissolution. So that's why, in tantric practice, we we uh, we need to go back to the fundamental teachings on selflessness or emptiness, the twofold emptiness, so the emptiness of the one who's practicing and the emptiness of the. Uh, of the world out there, the so-called world out there, the twofold emptiness. And Vajrasattva is an archetypical symbol of that insight. Of course, it is appropriate and also healing uh, to practice Vajrasattva on this superstitious level of that there's some magic in the mantra and there's some magic in the practice and you just say the mantra and something is purified, you don't really understand how it works, but it's just because the Lama says it's so powerful to say the mantra. That is a very superficial level of practice. And uh, we need to outgrow that. We need to outgrow that level of practice. Uh, Relax it. Relax that that view on practice, on the practice. So, let's um, start with a bit of uh, quiet sitting, and then I will. <coughs> and then I will attack your mini me. <laughs> and I'm 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 uh, I'm ready for the for the resistance. I'm ready for the resistance. So, <coughs> let's um, take a few moments of just uh, reconnecting with the body and the breath and checking in so you, you get a sense of your own energy and what you brought with you. And as always, you can slide on the breath into the body, down into your feet even, so you'll get a sense of your whole posture. And then with the out-breath, letting go or releasing some of the unnecessary tension, some of the struggle, you release the doing mode. So gently you shift gear from the busyness of the day. And you embrace and you welcome whatever you bring into this moment. With the out-breath softening the belly, (coughs) the shoulders, the face, 
And of course, thoughts continue to arise, and maybe you are a bit agitated from the day, restless, or you are tired, or maybe you feel quite okay. So whatever is there, we allow, we let it be. Also, thoughts continue to arise, but maybe it's possible for you to take them less serious, just let them do their thing. And instead you emphasize a bit the rising and falling of the belly, the feeling of aliveness in your hands. And then if you get entangled, if you jump on the train of a storyline, you allow yourself to step back and return, sliding back into your hands, into your belly, into your feet. And then with the out-breath, giving space. And then if you notice that there is some clinging, meaning that you try to get somewhere or you try to feel better, then you relax that with the out-breath, like as if you're opening a fist. And if you notice that there's some rejection, some aversion, something you try to get rid of, you relax that as well, like opening a fist. So relaxing, clinging, and resistance. So that you more and more gently relax into this moment as it is.
and returning, returning and resting. And then we might, we might, it might be possible for you to enjoy or appreciate the presence or the stillness which reveals itself when we sit quietly together, protected by the presence of Ajahnasattva. Then inspired by the example of uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama and the Kamapa, we try, we try to align our heartfelt mission for this evening, for this week, our heartfelt intention for this evening, for this week, for this month, for this life. We align as best as we can our heartfelt intention with bodhicitta, the awakened heart. To wake up and to grow up Not to wake up as the mini-me, but from the illusion of the mini-me. And to grow up so that we can bring forth uh, the potential of love and wisdom we all carry in our heart. So if you gently Breathe into the area of your heart chakra. Where you, maybe sometimes, maybe not now, but maybe you can still somehow connect with this yearning, this longing, 
uh, to express and embody the love and wisdom which is your true nature and when we do that we can also probably feel the contraction and the hardness the doubts the reactivity and that's why we are practicing Vajrasattva to see this hardness this reactivity this doubt as empty So breathing gently in your heart connecting with your longing for individuation for your coming out as an authentic being So according to the Buddhist teachings, we suffer because we distort reality. And this distortion creates a sense of a separate solid I and a solid separate world out there. We actually believe that we are material beings moving through a material world. And it sounds absurd to start to doubt that in our culture, in our materialistic culture. Somehow we are still stuck stuck in where science was 100 years ago. We have not yet made that, that, that shift which happened about 100 years ago in science. And that is doubting that there is an objective materialistic universe out there independent from an observer so that's a very important point to uh, 
to, to use whatever works for you, science or philosophy, to, to start to doubt that. So this, uh, this dualistic split of the mini-me and an objective uh, material, material world, solid world out there, that leads to grasping and, and rejection. So that, that leads to the whole reactivity, to getting irritated and nervous and jealous and greedy and uh, you know, <coughs> narcissist, narcissistic self-importance. What about me? What about me? What about me? Uh, it's all based on this uh, distortion, distortion of reality. So all wars on this planet, all violence on this planet is based on a mistake. It's based on a wrong, a wrong view <coughs> on how, how you, how we and how the world out there exists. So that's actually good news because that can be corrected through insight. It can be corrected by just seeing yourself, how things really exist, how I exist, and what the relationship between this and the so-called outside world is. So this, this, uh, this, uh, this contraction, which comes from this distortion of reality, we, we can all feel it. That's where all our tension in the body comes from. That's what, where all physical symptoms come from. That's where all sickness comes from. That's where stress comes from and high blood pressure and, and everything. Everything comes from this contraction of the mini-me because of this mistake. So what we, what we start in our practice, what we start with, we do whatever works for us to relax that contraction. And then this somewhat more relaxed and curious and vital, more vital body, heart and mind can then look into reality, can then explore reality. So this level of Vajrasattva, where, you know, where we we imagine Vajrasattva. So again, Vajrasattva is an archetypical symbol of the original purity of your true self. Yeah? Kadak. Original purity. Kadak in, in Tibetan. Original purity. So, and by imagine to, uh, this, uh, to, to this nectar to flow, yeah? so what we do with that part of the practice is that we relax and open the contractions in our body by working with the subtle body, the subtle body of the chakras and the energy channels. So we imagine this ne nectar flowing and, it has ha and, it ha and that has an effect on that contraction. 
because it just relaxes. It, it, you know, when you do this and you really get into it, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit of a body scan also, and then the white light and it's pure and and so and then on that on that level, and we are still moving on a on a on a conditioned level of our practice, on a relative level of on our practice. But it has an effect. It has a healing effect. It has an opening effect, because when because when we relax the body, when we relax the subtle body, then also our reactivity decreases. The contraction decreases. Because the contraction of the mini-eye is a function of the subtle body. So that's, and then we imagine the all the contractions, all the darkness goes out. Yeah. So practicing of, of Vajrasattva has nothing to do with worshipping a being or calling another being or something like that. It's a, it's a symbol. It's a symbol. Vajrasattva is a symbol of an aspect of your, own, of your own being, which we have lost connection with through the distortion, through the distortion of reality. So then... Vajrasattva dissolves. And actually, if we would do this uh, practice more elaborate on a highest yoga tantra level, at that moment, we actually would go through the death process. We would imagine to go through the eight dissolutions of the death process. So we, we, we we, we would imagine to... Uh, to go through this process which is forced upon us at, at death time. No, on death in, in death time, it will be forced upon us to realize that there is no mini eye. Because our no the mini eye lives through the conceptual level of your mind. That's how it lives. It's not more. It's just a mental imagination. So, and in the death process, at one point, your conceptual mind dissolves. You will not be able to hold hold any thought, not even the thought, I, 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 I. It will be, you will be able to hold that quite long, yeah, through the, through the process, even after your breath has, uh, has ceased. You will be still feel, I, 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 I. But then, that will go. Not because you, you let go or because you decided to let go, it because that level of your mind which supports that kind of contraction will not function anymore. And then, wow! But then, uh-oh! No, no enlightenment I don't know, but the contraction of the mini-eye, I really know. And that feels safe. And off you go to the next round. (laughs) 
So in this uh, Vajrasattva practice, when 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 we dissolve Vajrasattva, uh, that's actually an important moment. Yeah. So that's where where just also to you know because it it happens after the the recitation of the mantra, so there's a kind of gap. So a gap opens, and that's kind of a bit of a. It con- it, that gap which we can experience when the mantra, the recitation of the mantra stops, it can 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 initiate a kind of a feeling of that spacious, open. Uh, you forget for a few moments. You forget the mini eye, and there is just openness. There is just there is emptiness, emptiness which is the fullness, emptiness which is the everything. Not a nihilist, not a nihilistic emptiness, emptiness which is in the nature of love. So in, that might be only just a short glimpse, yeah, like just a, wow, just a short. Yeah. So. Two things are important: the the emptiness of the I, and the emptiness of the world out there, the twofold emptiness. So, you really need to study and read what is meant in the Buddhist teachings when I say the emptiness of the I and the emptiness of the world out there, because you can have all kinds of idea what that means. Maybe it scares you a bit. Maybe you hear I'm saying nothing exists. Maybe you hear me saying you don't exist, but that that's not what it means. So when I say the emptiness of the I, at one point, not tonight, but at one point, you need to understand what I mean with that. So that I don't need to discuss every evening about do you exist, don't you exist, what is being uh, so. It needs to be clear, otherwise we can't move on. This is actually a, a fundamental preliminary uh, for entering the tantric path. Well, this two two things: you you need to have an understanding of emptiness. You need to have a deep appreciation, a deep appreciation. Of bodhicitta. These are two fundamental things, and we kind of do it parallel. We start a bit with the tantra, and we work on bodhicitta, and we work on emptiness. That's that's fine. <coughs> so that's uh, two things: the twofold emptiness, but also what we need to uh, familiar become familiar with is. What you would call the nature of your mind, or the nature of awareness. So, in the emptiness teachings, we 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 look at how we don't exist. But we also need to look into how do we exist then. Because realizing emptiness does not to re- does not mean to realize nihilism or nothingness. 
The contrary. It means the contrary. Uh, realizing of emptiness is is it's really good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really good. It's it's uh, realizing emptiness is what would be a way to say it. That's you know that's the treasure. That's the holy grail. Realizing emptiness is the holy grail. That's the that's the end of seeking. That's the that's that's coming home. That's uh, become, that's realizing God. A Christian mystic would say. Yeah. So in the you no know, in this gap, in this gap, uh, when. Vajrasattva dissolves and you go through the, the death process after the recitation of the mantra. That gap you need to get to know. You need to get to you need to get familiar with it. You need to explore it. And and so I'm doing that a lot in, in the way I guide meditation. So that's the main one of the main themes we explore on Wednesday, the other Wednesdays here here. And we will also explore in the coming uh, weekend retreat, yeah. so that you that you get a, that we start to get a taste, and we and we start to that and we start to trust that if the minimi is recognized as a a, a, a made up a made up by the conceptual mind, if that is seen that. That is not annihilation. So, otherwise, it, otherwise, you, uh, otherwise, you will listen to the resistance and you will listen to the arguments of the minimi. It will continue to, 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 uh, to govern us, and as I said, not only that, it will then claim. Some of it will then claim the spiritual experiences we have, but the mini me does not have spiritual experiences. It it uh, it grasps them after. So you have a genuine experience of openness and connectedness, and then the mini me after says, "Ah, I had that." Wow, I'm special. I want to have more of this. That's the level of spiritual practice where most people are. So, um, Let's let's quote the Lama, so that you don't think I'm making this up. So let's quote the Lama, and here Lama Tupnyeshe, so the who together with my uh, main teacher Lama Soparimpoche founded the FBMT, the Foundation for the Preservation of the Mayana Tradition. 
And the way we practice Vajrasattva here comes from Lama Yesha, Lama Tukmi Yesha. Also the sadhana I gave you, he, he wrote it and, and the way we recite the mantra and so it's, it's coming from him. And, uh, and this is uh, from his book Introduction to Tantra, which I really recommend. It's a kind of uh, secondary reading to uh, the practice of Vajrasattva, because it really introduced to, it, 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 he introduces us to the principles of Tantra and to the foundations of Tantric practice. So he writes, Not only are the things outside ourselves empty of the solid objective relative reality we project onto them. So not only are the things outside, yeah, outside. Notice how, notice how you have a feeling that you are sitting somewhere inside here, maybe behind your eyes or uh, somewhere here. No, there is a subtle sense and there is a sense that you are looking through your eyes. You, 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 like you have eyes. Right? You have eyes, <laughs> I have eyes, and I use these eyes and I look out. Well, that's how we feel. And it's absurd to question that. So, not only are the things outside, like the things you see, me, yeah? you're looking at me now. So that's a thing outside, yeah? a thing outside. These things outside, he says, are empty of the solid, objective reality we project onto them. We project, you know, you project. But it, 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 it looks for you that, that this kind of radiates to you. That this here is objectively outside of you in the way it appears to you. It should, you know, it should sound completely weird what I'm saying. And this shows how, how much we are locked into this dualistic split. So, empty of means, so when we say empty, when we say, if you would say the, that what you see is empty, so what you need to understand what it is empty of. So it does not make, it, it does actually not to make, make sense so much to say just empty, because you need to understand what it is empty of. So if you just say the outside world is empty, that, that's not good enough. Uh, that can create all kinds of confusion, particularly this confusion, oh, that means that it does not exist. But that's not what it means. What it means is, it does not exist in the way it appears to you. How does it appear to you? It appears to you as, all, as if there is an objective, real, substantial Stefan here. That is how it appears to you. And this Stefan outside here has nothing to do with your projection. So if you feel I'm beautiful, then immediately you forget that that is a complete 
projection. There's nothing beautiful here. There's also nothing ugly here. There's hardly anything here. <laughs> There's a debate between different philosophical Buddhist schools. You know, is there something there, or uh, so? Uh, let's say there's something tiny, something you know, very subtle, like kind of like uh, what what in quantum physics is sometimes called the the quantum soup or the quant the potential. Yeah, so something is here. But then, then what it is for you comes from you. It's projected. The, the, same, the same is true for our inner sense of self. The same is true for the inner sense of self. So not only the, 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 so, the so apparent, solid, objective reality out there is a dream, is an illusion, is a projection. Also the so, so appearing solid real I is made up, is a fantasy. I hope your, your mini eye is really rebelling now. <laughs> You should think like something like, this is so stupid. What is he talking about? I don't understand this. This has nothing to do with my life. How does this help me in my relationship? This is just philosophy. Or, ah, yeah, I've heard this before, but it's so complicated and I, I don't understand it. And, and you know, I, I better fall asleep and, and space out because <laughs> it's too, it's just philosophy. And I have... I have Listen to it, and I have not understand it before, and then it hides. The mini mini me can hide between all of that. Yeah, it just creates smoke. <laughs> so, <laughs> or it makes you very tired, or something like that. We instinctively feel that we exist at something very real, definite, and substantial. That's, that's what, how we instinctively feel. Of course, as soon as we start to ref kind of look, then we already feel, uh, oh, that's quite slippery. I can't really pinpoint to uh, what I mean when I say I. What is it actually what I mean? But we, we don't ask this kind of questions. So we, we, we kind of we are satisfied with this, uh, with this kind of a bit vague uh, feeling of uh, that there's something real, definite and substantial here. And that's me. And this me is actually so substantial that we have a feeling that also our personality and our habits and who we are is kind of fixed, it's solid. Like if we think about, if we feel about ourselves as a bit of an anxious, depressed person who has life, who has difficulties in life, and by, so then we have a feeling that's that's how that's who we are, and we have a feeling that that it really exists like that, and it feels like almost like a prison, yeah. 
as if we are sitting in a prison of our own habits and our own personality. So one of the side effects of starting to realize the emptiness of the, the self is we start to see that there's an enormous potential for change. Because that which apparently locks us into a certain position of habits and personality and preferences and fears is almost nothing. It's made up. And that what you become is like limitless. It's better than science fiction. I mean, Star Trek is nothing. Uh, nothing compared to what is in the Pranaparamita Sutras when they, where they describe this potential we all have. We have no doubt about this real me and it seems absurd to think of it as just another hallucination. Lama. Yeah? Lama is saying that. I know this Tibetan wise, red robes, a monk, coming from this ancient tradition. Uh, so he says, and it seems absurd to think of it, of it, of you, of you, as just another hallucination. It's quite strong to say it's an hallucination. Again, your mini-me should uh, rebel. It should say, no, no, that, that's not possible. That's not, there is, there's definitely something here. There's definitely, definitely, I mean, I have my problems. I worry about my account. I have my relationships. I have my past also. You know, don't, don't touch my, my problematic past. That is real. Yeah. That is real. That that really exists. You know, my difficult childhood and it's 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 real, it's true. It's objective real. And it happened to me. It happened to this one here. Don't mess with that. <laughs> and he just says it's just another hallucination. <laughs> No, our cherished problematic life. It's just another hallucination. Yet, if we take the trouble to search for this supposedly concrete I or me, we will discover that we cannot find it anywhere. So that's, uh, that's something... Uh, you know, we are invited to in the inside meditation practices. So, you have to sit on your butt, shut up, switch out your smartphone, and you have to search and look into, into this body-mind into this body-mind complex, into this body-mind process. Yeah? This is a bit like uh, the weather. 
So before we understood that the weather is an open process, we had to make up Tor when there was a lightning. Because there was a lightning, so we made the conclusion there must be someone doing it. So we made Tor up as the one who is controlling the weather. And Tor is a complete hallucination. It's completely made up. There's, there's nothing like Tor. It's merely labeled. It's, it, no, that's how Amasopa uses all the, quite often this word. It's, it's merely labeled. Tor is merely labeled upon this phenomena, this open process, which we now have understood, of the weather. So the same here. There's the weather of our thoughts and the weather of our feelings and there's the weather of the sounds and there's the weather of uh, these words. And immediately we made up, oh, there's a thought, there must be a tour. Oh, there's a feeling, there must be a tour. Oh, there's a problem, there must be a tour. We made up, we make up the owner. So, how long, no, you see, it's quite easy. <laughs> I mean, what was necessary for you to understand there is no tour? And to kind of just, you know, let go of that, that hallucination, look through it. See it as a story. It's it, it, it's it's not uh, it's not that complicated. So, but in a way, it is complicated because what we needed to understand is the causes and condition of weather. We needed, to, we needed to see, we needed to understand that there is lightning, yes, but it's based on causes and conditions coming together. There is nobody deciding, oh, so now there's lightning. It's not like that. So the same here. Probably you, you must have some doubts. No, you must have some doubts now. Naya, it's a good story with that tour. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, but... Uh, me, I mean, there's more to me than just the story of tour. Definitely. Definitely. So... If we take the trouble to search for this supposedly concrete I or me, we will discover that we cannot find it anywhere. And that's... Um, there needs to be some passion in that. And you, it's not enough to do it once. You need to do it for the rest of your life because uh, this, you know, looking for the supposedly concrete I because it's so ingrained in us 
to, uh, to identify with the central position, to identify with this contraction, uh, that it's not enough to just see, see once. With Tor, it was enough to see it once, yeah? Or with the Christmas, uh, no, uh, with the Christmas, what is the guy who brings the presents? Yeah. Santa Claus. With Santa Claus, it was quite quickly. Uh, there was maybe some struggle for a year or two, <laughs> kind of switching back and forth, yeah? Uh, kind of holding on to it because it feels so nice to believe in it. But at one point, you just saw that there's presence under the tree is not evidence that there is Santa Claus. You just see it. Um, so that there is thoughts right now and that there is seeing right now we take that as an evidence that there is an I. Yeah, but but how can that be? How can that how can there be thoughts and feelings and problems but no I? Yeah, look at the weather. There can be a, such a complex, always shifting and changing thing which we call weather. And there's so much happening. It rains, it lightens, it snows. Uh, oh, so much things, so different things happening. And there's nobody deciding it. And there's nobody owning it. Same here. Neither our head, our arm, our leg nor any other part of our body is our I. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a nice... Uh, uh, there's ma many different ways to, uh, to do this uh, search. So one way, you know, sometimes I do that when I lead a body scan. So first, you know, you relax and, uh, so, and it feels good. And, so, and then I say, okay, there is this community of millions of cells millions of cells, all these processes happening right now in the brain and blood and the heart and, and, and so these millions of cells they are a process like the weather and there is no control center they try to find that control center also in neuroscience one way to uh, get to kind of familiar with this kind of thinking is to look into neuroscience. Because, of course, they say the same. They must say the same because there is no I. Except the one you make up. So there is an I, but it's made up. So, well, another way is, no, since I don't want to affront your, uh, uh, your, your mini I, Let's take this one, yeah? So, I mean, there's Stefan here, yeah? So, and uh, let's look for Stefan. So, we take the skin off, put it there. Uh, the blood we put into a bucket of water and with the, all the other fluids. 
and then there's a little heap of the hairs and the nails, and then there's bones, and then there's a heap of meat. And and Stefan is left on the on the chair. No, there is no Stefan left there. So we have many parts. So which one is Stefan? And you need to do this kind of investigation. This is maybe a bit too disgusting. This <laughs> uh, maybe you stay with the cells, yeah. Uh, but uh, but you need to do this kind of. Uh, you know, and I know it, it it's um, in the beginning, it's kind of you will meet resistance and you will find it boring. And, uh, you know, there's more interesting things to think about. And uh, but we actually need to go through this process to look for the reactive eye again and again. So so that and at one point you will do this while you are in, in the reactive eye, while you are in the poor me eye. And then you will discover that the emptiness meditation is the best way to relax, the best way to find space, uh, peace, and the best way to find space when the shit hits the fan in your life. All other methods, they are provisional. You know, breathing it away, or yoga, or going for a walk. or Of course, that's all uh, appropriate and, he and helpful. But much better is not to find the poor me eye, the anxious eye, the depressed eye. That's much better. So if you have a good time right now in your life, you feel a kind of relaxed and things are kind of a bit, you know, for a short time, they are kind of okay and, and things are working out, that's a, good, that's a good place to start this. So, the, so you get used to it. Yeah? It's a bit more difficult to, uh, to do this when, when the shit hits the fan. Or so, on the other hand, when the shit hits, hits the fan, the pressure is higher, so you kind of, you get, you know, so you try a bit the pills or, you know, whatever we try to, or, you know, some exercise to, 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 uh, to get rid of it, yeah. Uh, but uh, at one point, your life circumstances might force you to take this kind of teachings actually serious, because you see, at one point, I have to do it now because nothing works to make me feel better. So I need to realize emptiness. And even initial understandings, initial non-findings, non-findings of a solid problem and a solid person who has a problem, can give you some space, can give you, and you can feel it. And that's what these teachings are for, to, to make you relax. I mean, genuinely relax, because there's nothing to defend. So the best way to relax, the best way to 
open again and feel connected with others is the, the, the to 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 get into this kind of meditation with passion. Cool. See, if I get into this, then I get so excited <laughs> because, you know, there's nothing more important. There's many other important things, but they are all provisional. All other things are provisional. Everything we can understand and figure out and, and have insights about and that's all provisional. Uh, this is it. <laughs>